huh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. No, I'm very excited about today's show because um, uh, I've known about your record label, Candy Rat Records, even since before I knew about the Kindo. Mm, yeah. And so um, I'm excited to hear about how this all went down, especially since um, you guys got signed because Steven's dad... Like emailed the guy who owns the record label and said, my son's band is good. (laughs) I really am interested in hearing how that all worked out. I don't even know how it worked out, but it worked. It did work. So yeah, we have Rob Poland from Candy Rat Records, founder, owner, operator of Candy Rat Records, um, independent label, uh, internet based. He managed to figure this all out. He figured it all out and, and built it from the ground up. And it's, it's a cool story. Uh, and he offers some really unique insights. Uh, he he went rogue. I mean, he broke the code when everyone was like, how do we make music uh, as a record label? He just did. <laughs> He's like, oh, here's how. Um, and I think it's uh, it's worth mentioning that he followed his uh, his compass of taste. You know, he, he didn't stray from art that he thought was great, that he himself didn't also really enjoy. Right. And I think that helps... You know, when it comes to presenting someone, you have, it's like a salesman who doesn't believe in the product they're selling. They're not going to be a good salesman. Yeah. If you don't think that your industrial air conditioner is really going to cool that building faster than the others, then how are you going to sell it? Exactly. No one's going to buy it. (laughs) No one's going to buy it. So yeah. And you you owe a lot of uh, Kindo success to Candy Rat, don't you? Absolutely. Kindo's, I mean, I owe Kindo still being together to Candy Rat because I think that we would have lost too much heart. You know, it's like, how would we have found... I would not want you to lose heart, Joey. I know, but it's it's easy to do these days. And so uh, how else would we have found our audience if we didn't have Rob's platform and and the audience that he's built over the years? He's the man. He's great. This guy's the man. So let's meet Rob Bring this guy in here. You're listening to The Music Life. A show where we explore the challenges musicians face, the ways we overcome them, and the meaning of it all. So what's going on today, Joey? Today is my second day with no coffee. Yeah, you know, I'm proud of you. I couldn't do this. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I feel way better than I thought I would. The last time that I tried to quit coffee, I would uh, I was suffering from different forms of dementia. I would <laughs> walk, I would go into a room to do something, and by the time I got into that room, I would com- I would completely forget. This was not a this was not like a one time thing. This was a regular thing. Every day I'd go to this do something. This happens to me all the time. I I I open my refrigerator. I have no idea why it's open. I I wash my hair and then I wash it again because I forgot it must I be the it. visitors really no aliens what? yeah is it the coffee should i well, stop drinking coffee no no this is when i was not drinking coffee. Oh. so this was about three three four years ago i was giving it a solid go i've been feel lately i've been feeling a little panicky right so that's what caused Has the dementia kicked in again no not yet i'm not stupid yet um yesterday was a little stupid um, today I'm feeling nice. I'm well rested. So that's a new chapter. Well, I'm, this is really interesting for people to hear about. <laughs> hey, listen, yeah. you quit coffee. I think that's a big deal. And I think you should be proud. Yeah. Well, I'll be proud when I can maintain my, uh, 
72 average. <laughs> 72.9. Yeah, don't be so average. hard on yourself. But uh, today's exciting because uh, you've already begun uh, talking to our very special guest today. We have with us in the studio Rob Poland from Candy Rat Records. Hi, Rob. Hey, Joey. <laughs> Hi, Rob. <laughs> Hello. So um, I, I remember when that Andy McKee video went viral a few years ago. I mean, I don't know a lot of labels, but I know Candy Rat. And because I remember when my buddy and I a few years ago stumbled upon that video of that guy with that acoustic guitar. Uh, anyone who has never seen this, just go on YouTube and search Andy McKee and you'll see this video with like 50 million views of just a virtuoso. And I just remember my mind being blown. I had never seen anything like this. And right under is just boom, Candy Rat right under it. And I... I guess it's also a good name because it's stuck in my head, and I've I've known it ever since. So you're are you the Candy Rat guy? I am, yeah. This, you're the Candy Rat. He's the founder. Yeah, I'm the founder. You're the rat. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he is There's, the Candy Rat. Rob, when I when I first heard the name, I kept calling it Candy Rap. When Steve was telling me about it, like, is this when you were off coffee, or this is this, this is your is, regular? This brain? is I was regular coffee brain. So, wow. And I was like, oh, Candy Rap, like rapper that. Has candy enclosed within it. Oh, a ra- oh, candy wrap. Candy wrap. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. With a W. But then it was. It was later came to my attention. It was a rodent. It was. A, oh, okay. Yeah, made right. out of. Candy. Do you have like a logo mascot type thing? Like, it is. It is a rat that has a bite taken out of it. It's like a candy, <laughs> like a candy rat. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can dig that. So, tell us how do you, how does one start a label, much less a label that has any notoriety whatsoever, especially in today's age? Yeah, uh, well, I can tell you how how I started the label. I started the label. Uh, let's see, I was in a, a family business. We opened up a school, and uh, that did pretty well for a while. And uh, we got we got some investors, and we opened up more schools. Eventually, got more investors, and. Uh, Anyway, that business started to struggle after 9/11, after kind of the the dot com bubble burst, because it was in a, it was school that did technical education for, you know, like Microsoft and Cisco and Oracle, and uh, that did well, um, did really well. We grew to like 30 locations. Wow! And so you started a bunch of technical kind of trade schools, and then once the uh, the bubble, the, yeah, the tech was... bubble burst and 9/11, it it's it started to kind of decline. Yeah, and the you know the dot com kind of crash, and then it was nine eleven, and then it was like Enron, the you know the accounting scandal, and it was all like within a year. And the press came out and said, you know, there's no more technical jobs, and you know PhDs and software design were you know unemployed. It was total bullshit. Wow. Yeah, that's just, it was just hype. It, was, it, was, it wasn't even actual yeah. representative of the actual demand, but it caused people to run away from pursuing a, te- a job in, in tech exactly. and software. So it, it really just crippled our demand overnight. And um, So thanks to the media. Yeah, pretty much. Doing what they do best. Pretty much. Bastards. So how? So bring, bring me to so, where okay. the labels start. How yeah, does this happen? I, I know. It's just, anyway, so, so when I was getting out of this business, because uh, it started to struggle, the investors started to put in more money, and therefore, kind of our ownership started to shrink. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of just became an employee into this business that we started. Wow. And uh, that kind of sucked. And uh, so I was looking for something else to do. And we, we sold some of our stock to one of the investors. And uh, I used that, that money to start Candy Rat. 
And uh, what made you? Uh, what was the point that made you say like yeah. candy? That's such going, a record label. going from yeah something that seems very practical, like yeah. passing on a skill set that can be used in the in the marketplace to be like I'm going to get into the music business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was insane at the time because it was it was uh, I think it was like 2004. You know, it was po- it was way post Napster, and uh, yeah. you know, at that t- point it was. I don't know, seven years of declining revenues for the music business. So, I mean, kind of the writing was on the wall. Yeah. Um, but what got me into the business was was uh, a Canadian artist named Don Ross. And How um, did you find Don? I found Don on iTunes. When iTunes came out, it was one of, you know, I mean, I was always a guitar buff growing up. I was a huge into Hendrix. Are you, do you play guitar? I did. Um, I, haven't, I haven't much last. 20 years, but uh, so I was a huge into Hendrix, Zeppelin. I learned a lot of that stuff in, in high school. I was thinking about going into music. Um, applied to Berkeley, but I didn't get in Ooh. because uh, I failed. I visited Berkeley when I was going to college. Did you? Yeah, I wanted to be like Dream Theater. <laughs> yeah. Me and my buddy went there, and, and they like, Dream Theater went here. And we're like, we want to come here too. <laughs> we couldn't afford it. Yeah. So we went to Albany and put on our togas. Yeah, <laughs> red cup parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve I went there as well, and he was pretty big at the time. Uh, this was like late '80s, and I really got. I just, I almost stopped listening to music, you know, because I just switched gears. Oh, then okay. I, then I got a career, and I got married, and we had a kid in college, and and so I, I kind of dropped out of you know music for ten years after deciding where I was almost on the verge of should I do this for a living, and then you know I shifted gears and. And just totally shifted gears. And uh, when when we, my buddy and I, we, we visited Berkeley. Like I said, we decided we wouldn't go. We'd go to Albany instead. That led to me basically not playing music or listening to music. We were both musicians together, but we both went to the school for five years, totally detached from music. Like right. you know, all of a sudden it just turned into like. And then by the time college was over, I was like, man, I, I'm not a musician anymore. I got to get back into it. And I had to like revamp from the beginning. So it sounds like a similar experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I'm kind of a one track mind person. It's I, I tend to really focus on the one thing. That's the opposite of Stephen Cohen. That's the opposite of you and I. <laughs> That's true too. We've got a big problem with that. I've got a big. I'm trying problem to help around. you with that. I'm trying. You are. I guess you're. A but little, I'm not very helpful. You're a little more one track. I guess I have a big problem with that. And I, I want to be more like you, Rob. Yeah, Show we both me. want to be more like you, and less like yeah. Stephen Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I would like to multitask better. Hmm. Huh. So we can help each other. This yeah. is this, this. I could uh, pat my head and rub my tummy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I can show so, you how to do that. So you found Don Ross on iTunes. It was the fir- first time you heard Don Ross. When, yeah, first time that? I heard Don Ross. That was like two thousand two, two thousand maybe three. I think it was two thousand two. And uh, up until that point, I I looked at the acoustic guitar as my father's instrument. You know, yeah. I mean. It was like a folk instrument of the 60s and 70s, and, and nothing really progressive was happening on the, on the instrument. Right. You could sing drinking songs on it, maybe. or Yeah. I mean, even like the, uh, you know, even I had heard kind of some Chet Atkins stuff. I had heard like, you know, John Denver, all the folky stuff. Yeah. And, and to me, it was just kind of like my dad's music. I, I wasn't into it. And yeah. uh, Old people music. Yeah. Yeah. And then I heard Don, and Don was really like funky and groovy, and he was playing like, you know, multiple lines at the same time. I mean, all on acoustic. All on acoustic. And so he was he was playing the acoustic kind of like, you know, a piano player plays piano where you're holding down the bass and the and the you know the melody and was the Was he harmonies doing all those and, like tappy things like uh some Andy of that, yeah, stuff? he was doing some of that percussive stuff. 
and I had no idea what what was happening because I had never heard anything like it, and uh, and was totally unfamiliar with the scene, and uh, just bought I just bought his entire catalog and and just listened to it nonstop for like a month. I mean, I was just infatuated. I had been out of music for ten years, and and uh, and then I found out. You know, I, I looked into Don, and I found out he's you know he's still around and touring and he was Canadian and uh, I looked at his tour schedule and he was mostly touring in Canada and Europe didn't have any upcoming dates in the US so uh, I, I, my wife and I flew out to see him in Nova Scotia yeah I'd never mm, been, wow I, yeah, yeah I'd never been to Canada but I, I said you know what that's dedication yeah I mean I, I didn't know if this guy was going to be you know going to quit next year so right. I said you know I, I never got to see Jimi Hendrix is that where he's from He's he's originally from I, I you know Canada I think he's from the you know the east coast of Canada is where his family kind of you know, that's where the he right grew up. side Joey that's on the yeah. right I know I've been to Nova Scotia <laughs> I think, I've been to Nova Scotia yeah I think really? he's from Nova yeah. Scotia yeah I think he, that's also where the Trailer Park Boys are from that, that's right yeah I like the yeah. Trailer Park Boys I think did I make that up just now probably yeah. no no but well, let's just let's yeah. just take it, it as Nova gospel Scotia. yeah. So, uh, so you flew out there. We, yeah, we flew up there, and he had three shows in you know over the course of the weekend. So I, I figured if I missed one show, I could catch a, a, a different one. And uh, and you know I thought he was doing like you know multiple track. I, I couldn't really believe that he was doing playing all that stuff live on one guitar. It just right. seemed impossible. Right. Um, and and he blew me away. I mean, like, it was like so he pulled it off. He, pu- he pulled it off, and I mean, it was just one guy on the stage playing, like, I mean, just massive sound, you know, melody, percussion, harmony, it's rhythm. Crazy. I mean, it was like the whole band on this one guitar, and he was doing, like, he was bending his neck, like, you know. To get, like, to get, like pitch the bending wet, yeah, and vibrato. Pitch bending and stuff like that. Wow. I, I couldn't believe it. And, he was, and, the, and the biggest thing about it is he was so groovy, and I guess Don, one of Don's biggest you know, groups of influences were, was Motown go, growing up. So he got he had this really like funk kind of groove wow. background, yeah. and I think that's what he's brought to the to the fingerstyle genre the most is kind of this this you know this groove. Yeah, this groove and the funk to it. Um, so you saw Don. He pressed the socks off of you. You were taken by his. Did you go yeah. up to him after the show and tell him that you flew there just to see him and that you were going to stalk him for the next? And few then days? did he call the police right yeah. after you said that? Yeah. I would have. It, it, it was it was bizarre because here I was thinking this guy is this guy's like the next Jimi Hendrix is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and yeah. you told him that? No, this is what that's what I was thinking in my uh-huh. mind though. And I, you know, I flew all the way up there to see him because I thought you know this guy was so unique, and he was playing in a small. You know, a small old hopper house in a small town in Nova Scotia. Yeah. And I think there was like 40, 30, 40 people there. And, uh, you know, the, the thing could seat like 150. So, I mean, it was... So it was very kind of awkwardly empty. Yeah, it was empty. Yeah. And, I, and I just... This is this is strange. You know, and I, I thought, you know what? There has to be a demand for this. I mean, this this is like new and fresh. I've never heard anything like it on the instrument. And I, and I kind of considered myself knowledgeable on the on the instrument of guitar right um, you know I, I had kept up with guitar enough to figure out you know kind of went into <clears throat> in the 80s it was Satriani and uh, Steve, Vi. Steve Vai and <clears throat> excuse me Eric Johnson and then in the 90s it really went into kind of like technical metal uh, <clears throat> speed metal excuse me you're yeah, right that's what the water's for and uh, 
So anyway, I did talk to him after the show, and uh, he was touring with his manager. Were who, your legs shaking when you talked to him? I, probably. <laughs> probably. I don't know if we talked about the leg shaking thing on the air. No. No, that was, so it's out oh, of so, context. Uh, it so, just sounds like we're just blatantly making fun of Rob. Well, we are. Yeah. Yeah. We are <laughs> making blatantly making fun of him. But so Rob's uh, legs shake in a very um, endearing sort of way, and he says it's genetic. F- father does it. Father does it. Children do it. Children do it. Not all the children, too. The of knees it. alternate. The, the, the feet alternate up and down, left and right. Yeah, it's just kind of... So the table's shaking yeah. right now. That water's going to spill. I don't feel it shaking, but... No, neither do I. I'm just exaggerating. Yeah, so we totally derailed the conversation. So you go up you go up to Don Ross. Yeah, and I, I talked to him after the show, and he was, you know, he was very nice, down to earth. I talked to his manager and, um, you know, said, you know, asked him if he was touring in the U.S. So I'd like to see him again, and... He had, uh, he said, you know, they tour off and on, but you know, mostly it was Canada and Europe and and Germany and and uh, and so I offered. I said, you know what, um, maybe I, you know, I've never put on any shows or been a promoter, but you know, maybe I could set up Milwaukee, Chicago, Minneapolis for you, yeah, do like yeah. a weekend run or something. And um, I stayed in touch with his manager, and about a year and a half later, um, that's what I did. I rented out. Uh, well, three three different venues, and became the promoter, and you know promoted those shows. How, so did, how did you go about promoting these shows? Had you ever done anything like this before? I had never done it. I had never done it, and you know I figured if I if I if no one showed up, you know I it was just going to be an expensive fun weekend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what you did know, you do to promote? Like what? What? Not enough. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I did not do a very good job. Um, you know, I had no idea what his fan base was, and the reason I don't think he toured the U.S. too much is because he wasn't really well known. So yeah. you don't rent a theater, no. went for kind of an un, you know an artist that might have a hundred fans in all of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and you know I I wasn't able to inform all of them that you know that there was an upcoming show. So right. I ended up giving like tickets away to like some people I worked with and some connections I had and you know I mean we might have sold you know 20 or 30 tickets so we had an audience around I think 50 or 60 people for Chicago um probably the same amount in Milwaukee and Minneapolis he actually did have a pretty big fan base uh that that we must have got the word out to cuz I think there was about 120 people there mm-hmm. but they were all I mean these were all like you know um at 150 to 300 seat capacity type venues, so they were still kind of half full. But it was a, it was overall it was a blast, and uh, you know I got to drive them around, and and you know to me this was like, you know it's just like you, you were know, like the limo driver in Spinal Tap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm and I'm driving around. Somebody roll the window, roll the, the window. <laughs> people like this. It was, it was an awesome experience. That must have been pretty cool. I mean, because you're just, at the very least, you're a fan. And now super you're driving fan. this guy I was, around. I was instantly a super fan. That's 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 pretty surreal. So did, yeah. did his, was his personality what you expected? or, or Yeah. Did, I mean, he was, like I said, he was very down to earth. And, uh, you know, I didn't know much about, you know, Canada, even though Canada was, you know, next to our neighbor. Um, that's above us, Joey. That's on the top. Yeah, they speak Canadian up there, so it's really hard to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit different. Yeah. Um, so but, you did these, so you did these shows. Uh, they kind of tanked as far, as far as a, a monetary right. failure, but you had the time of your life. You basically threw like three awesome private parties with your favorite guitarist. Yeah. Uh, and, and you had a blast. What happened next? 
Was he disappointed? Or No, he had a blast as well. Because, again, the turnout was not a bad turnout. I just, you know, the venues were a little bit too big. Yeah, he didn't um, lose the money. You did. He didn't lose the money because I guaranteed, <laughs> you know, I guaranteed his, you know, show per, you know, fee per, right. you know, performance. Uh-huh. So he made good money. Um, you know, I lost some money, but had a great time. It's a good way and to I, look at it. I like that pot. And see, I mean, maybe it's just because, you know, a great thing came out of it later. I don't know. Maybe. If yeah. I mean, I knew going in, it was like, I think my dad taught me that lesson, which is like, you know, don't, don't spend the money or don't loan the money if you, if you can't afford to lose it. Yeah. Right. You know, um, so I knew going in that, that you know, again, if nobody showed up, that, that I was still going to do it. Yeah, so, that's uh, great. I like that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good mantra. So how did you parlay this into the next step? Yeah, so interestingly, he was on, a, he, it turned out he was on, um, well, he was on Sony Canada for like three records. And he was on, before that, he was on a little indie label out of uh, Ontario. And... So that was his first six records, and his next three records were on Narada, which was a, a record label um, later bought by Virgin. I think you know later rolled up into Sony or something. It's so not just it's he had ner- nine records at this point. Yeah, he had nine records. Nine wow. records. Yeah, he had nine records, Jeez. and uh, and he'd been going at it for twenty years already. Wow. You know, again, and I, I had found him, you know, like literally just three years ago. So so, and he was still relatively unknown, and you know, the internet. You know, as far as, uh, you know, social networking, you know, Facebook didn't exist right. back then. There was MySpace maybe, right? Yeah, MySpace was, MySpace was around, days. but even MySpace was kind of new at that Infancy. point. Yeah. And how were people finding out about new music? I mean, was it iTunes? I mean, I think it was still old school in terms of how you marketed your music back then. There were still uh, CD stores. You, there were still CD stores. Um, BMG, 20 CDs for one penny? Yeah, and so his label that he was on Narada, and he did, and he had done his ninth record on Narada. Um, what pretty much had told him that they were getting out of the instrumental music business, and I think they were focusing on like smooth jazz and singer songwriter. Mm. And I mean, their model at the time was like if you weren't selling ten thousand records, it didn't really fit their model. Right. And I told him that uh, I'd offered to you know create a record label. Um, to put out his told Don this told yeah. Don this while we were driving that that weekend, I said, "Well, why don't I why don't I make a record label and I'll I'll fund your next." Did he record. think you were crazy or something? I mean, no, I'm not sure every day. I mean, I'm sure he's probably heard this. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> probably a, lot a couple of people, times. Yeah, he's probably heard it before, yeah. but you know, he wasn't sure if I was going to follow yeah. through. I uh-huh. had the resources to follow through. Right. He's just like, oh yeah, man, sounds. You think great. he's heard it before that someone wants to start a label based around his? Yeah, I'm sure music? he's heard that a lot before. But you know, I mean, I was able to put up. Um, to put up some money for his first record. And, and at the time, you know, I mean, that, that sealed the deal. Right. Because, you know, it, it Money talks. Money talks. And uh, it was a substantial part of, of the, the, you know, the money I got, I put into starting Candy Rat, you know, went to, went to Don's first record. Right. Signed the if con- I could ask, you don't have to answer, but how much money did you put into his record, his first record? <sighs> Or his tenth I mean, record. I don't remember. I think it was it was around all in. It was probably like fifteen to twenty. I mean, it was kind of an old school budget, and at the time, I think it made sense. You know, nowadays, I think Candy Rat, we really don't like to spend more than you know five or six thousand dollars to get out an instrumental guitar record. Because and that includes the production of that the includes yeah you know, to make the, make the, to record to make the, the CD, recording to make the recording to get it mastered and and, and, and manufactured. 
And what yeah. about, uh, but not promotion and marketing? That's not not promotion. Um, the instrumental guitar record, you're, you know, it's much less involved. It's here's some mics, play yeah. the song. Yeah, you're done. And Go then home. you're done. Yeah. Take a hike. Yeah. Right. Scram. So just tell me the story here of Don says yes. Don says yes. You drop this money on making his record. Over the course of the Over next the year. course of the next year. What happened next? I went and got my dad as an investor in the business. You got him excited. You know, my dad and I, you know, did this business in the, with the schools, and, and he was kind of my, like, safety net, and uh, he had sold some stocks, so I got him to be an investor. But your dad sounds like a, a pretty practical guy telling you, you know, don't lend or spend money unless you could afford to lose it. I'm surprised he'd be willing to invest in music, in a, in a record label. Okay, well... Did you brainwash him? That, no, <laughs> no, that's saying, because he invested... With his with his schools tech skills, he invested a, a significant portion of his like you know retirement savings uh-huh. to get those schools up and running. And did uh, he see his return on that? And he saw a great return on that. I mean, we built that into a thirty million dollar business. Wow! Out of like a you know a couple hundred thousand dollar initial Whoa. investment. That's epic. And uh, so he he did well on that. You know, I mean, it didn't end up as well as it should have, but. But he did really well on that, and so I think he, you know, he had, uh, I think he had confidence in in uh, that, you know, that I was going to get something done. You know, at the time I had a family and three kids, and I had a pretty expensive nut. You know, I had a house and a mortgage, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford to not be successful. So either right. I had to get this to make money, or I had to find something else to do in that, you know, in short order. Um, so he trusted you and your vision and yeah, your work I mean, ethic. They, yeah, and I and I and I brought him in as a kind of a, you know, a supportive, silent partner with you know with the idea that hey, you know, you put some money in, I'll get you know, you'll get a good return on it, um, and you know, you can help me out, but but I'm the lead here. So, yeah. So uh, it was that was that a weird dynamic between you and him? Was he usually taking the lead, like in, well, in the family the lead, business? Yeah, he was the lead in the first business, and that's why I, I kind of said now you know, I've done that for ten years. I've done that for ten years now. where you you know you were the lead. I want to take the lead on this right. next thing, and you know, do you want to? Can you accept those terms? Mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, he he came along with it, and he's he's done pretty well on that that next investment he made. He, uh, right. So so you make the Don Ross record. Okay, so we're making. It takes about a year for him because he hasn't he hasn't he's in the writing process. Yeah. And so in the next year we we incorporate, and and so my you know my. Uh, Requirements for this company name was, you, you know, had to be easy to. It has to, to be a rodent and it has it to be delicious. <laughs> a rodent and delicious. <laughs> delicious rodent. Yeah. Reasonable terms. Delicious rodent records. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Start a label, Joey. Yeah. yeah actually, actually, what I was thinking is they need to be able to, to spell it and remember it. I mean, that was my requirement. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and at the time. A little like, more broad, I guess. Yeah. Google, you know, Google <laughs> and Yahoo were like the biggest internet companies coming up and I'm like, you know, those, those words, words don't really make sense. Right. Um, you know, iTunes, yeah, you know, well, they're all just made up names. I, I was searching all these names and not, nothing was available. Candy Rat comes up as a, this isn't available, but this is, you know, like, did you type in like candy Fox, candy dog, or were you doing it like, was something like blue it, rat, it, red it, rat, it was, stupid rat? Yeah. It was just some name. <laughs> it was like yeah, blue rat or something yeah. records. And so you find yeah. can so you find candy rat records and it candy just jumps rat. out. Com is available. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking candies of, you know, who can't spell who, candy? I like candy. And I love candy. Yeah. Candy's yeah. good. And who can't and spell I love rats? Who can't spell rats? <laughs> right. 
You know, it doesn't make any sense. But, but it's great. You've taken it something that most people love and something most people dislike, and you've turned it into candy. Rat version of the thing they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> so Candy Rat Records becomes a thing. That's right that's there. how Candy Rat got its name. It's not a very All right, so now story. you have this expensive record on your hands. You've got the domain and a guy who has about 100 fans in America. How? Well, in Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah, 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 so yeah. what's the response to this album? Were you... How did you push the record? So, so I have a year because I know he's writing. He's, he's taking a while. So, how, how the hell am I going to do this now? So I start really thinking about you it. You fooled just, your dad into investing right. into your company yeah. and tricked, you duped him. <laughs> trick, tricked him again. I'm in charge now, pops. <laughs> Take a back seat. You know, money talks with Don, so yeah. he's he's thinking. All right, well, I'll I'll stick with this guy for one record, just right. to, you know, to get the advance. Did, so he got a was it a one record deal that you signed yeah, him with? Yeah, it was wow. all of all of our deals, all except for one, has been one record. Record by record. We haven't signed multiple record deals. and uh, Still to this day? To this day, yeah. Wow, they've all that's, been record by record. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. It's just, I, don't, we, I never thought of doing multiple record deals. I think that's a, an event, a disadvantage for the artist. Definitely. So why do that? You know? What about if, if one of your artists hits it big and then some schmo comes along and signs them? It's and- happened. It's yeah. happened, and it will happen every time. But, you know, I, I mean, I kind of look at it as a natural, healthy progression. And like, if, they, if, if their opportunity to step up is there, then they should go get they've it. Earned it. They've, oh, earned, they've earned it. They've earned it. Well, wow. It's probably not every hear, record executive. You won't hear a lot of record guys talk like yeah, this. That's, yeah, uh, that's special. I think it's fair. You, know, um, you won't hear them say that either. <laughs> fair? That works, fair? That like works. a county fair? <laughs> I hate those trashy places. Fair, like like a fair-skinned maiden? Is that what you mean? <laughs> I mean, getting into this business, I realized that record labels had a shitty reputation <laughs> for ripping off artists yeah. you know, for their entire existence. So, I mean, that was a little bit of hesitation I had. I, t- I spoke a lot with Don on how should we do this so it's like a it's a fair it's a fair deal for both the label and the uh, the artist. Right. And so, you know, it's record by record. It's a 50-50 profit split deals are all our deals. So, so basically, wow. so basically, if we make a dollar, a dollar goes, uh, 50 cents goes to the label, 56, 50 cents goes to the band. Um, yeah, I mean, a pretty generous offer. Yeah, have you ever had an it, artist have that opportunity to really step up to the label and say, you know what, I'm sticking with you guys because you're, you were there in the beginning and you gave us the one record deal? Uh... Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what deals I would have to. I mean, because the artists, I don't really, you know, know all the deals that the artists have. But I, w- I would say, in general, if they've had the ability to step up, and it made good sense for them to do that, they would. They, they've done it, and I would tell them to do it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, so there's a turning point for Candy Rat Records that that's that turns it from a money pit into right. uh, something that y- you kind of have this moment like this might work, <laughs> and, yeah. And and it and it, I think it involves a video. It does, but there's there's. A, and do you want me to get there right quick? Because I let me just go. Let me just go. Yeah, give me some backstory more, more background it. here, okay? Because it, it it I know there's a huge setup for this, but it makes the payoff. No, the, then give us the payoff. Patience oh, is virtue. Yeah, give us the payoff after the setup. Let's okay. Do it. So so the rest of the setup is we spent the next year while Don was writing, getting ready for this. You got business. a Jew, a rabbi, and a no. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> and uh, 
we opened up the doors, and you know the the fans of the fingerstyle genre were you know kind of came, and I realized that there weren't many of them, um, <laughs> you know, and records weren't very popular, and uh, I think our sales the first year were like around thirty thousand dollars total. Wow! And you know this Ouch. is after with five releases. Was this with, five with, releases? Yeah, at this point we had like seven, seven or eight releases. Ouch! Jeez! And. Uh, and you were like, it's still going to work. I know it's going to work. Don't worry, Dad. <laughs> no, here's, here's the payoff of the story. At the end of that first year, this is now um, like November, a year later. You know, we're at $30,000 sales our first year. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I said, Dad, no. I'm sorry. I messed up. I lost your money. Yeah, well, I lost as much money as he had at this point. Mm. So, you know, I, although I was still very passionate about you know, the music and yeah. the genre. So I said, you know, I'm going to do this as a hobby. This will be my side gig. Yeah. yeah. And I got to go find a go real, find a new I got to go find a real job. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, November comes around and as the writing was on the wall and, uh, oh, about man. six months before that, halfway through the first year that we opened up the record label, this, we see this site on, uh, on the internet that's sort of blowing up. It's called YouTube. Heard of it. I heard yeah. of it. I mean, it was just, it was just, I mean, they, they had finally figured out video. And yeah. before that, video looked like shit on yeah. the internet. On E-Bombs World. Yeah. And it didn't work well, and there wasn't much content. But, uh, you know, YouTube figured it out, and they had put all these servers all over the world, and, and they were just very good at serving up video so that it worked with the bandwidth of the day. Right. And... Uh, now, fingerstyle is is an interesting thing because when you hear the music, you know, it sounds like a band. It sounds like a band or overdubs. It sounds like overdubs. Yeah. It sounds like less impressive. It sounds like three or four guitars. You know, like a trio yeah. of guitars. Yeah. But when you see it, you're you're really taken back. Oh and yeah. You're like, well, is this this can't be live? You know, and and I think that's the public had no idea that you could play the guitar like this. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so. And so the visual aspect of selling this music, we knew like from day one was was really important, but we didn't know how to, you know, we how do you we, get it out there? We're not going to get it on TV. We're right. not going to be on Letterman, right? So, um, you know, how do we get it out there? And so when this internet video hit, I, you know, I'm, I said, this is, you know, this is it. We got to try this. We got to we got to see if this works. And uh, so, you know, I brought Don down to Milwaukee. We shot a DVD. Uh, with the idea that we would put some of these on the internet, the DVD didn't turn out didn't turn out very good. The audio ended up being crap, mm. and so we put the whole thing on the internet. You know, because Don's like, I'm not even comfortable selling this. Yeah. So I said, Well, okay, would you be comfortable just giving it away for free on the internet on the site called YouTube? And he agreed to that, and we put that up there, and you know, it it, it got ten or twenty thousand. You know, these videos got ten or twenty thousand plays. And at the time, that's YouTube, pretty substantial yeah, for the yeah, time. For the beginning I mean, of YouTube, for yeah, sure. it was it was pretty substantial. But there, I mean, at that time, there was not a lot of uh, videos out there, and YouTube was a, a global site. So when you went to YouTube, whether you were in Germany or the U.S. or you were in Japan, you went to everyone went to the same front page, right? And now there's like every country has a different front page and it's and it's served up different videos yeah. based on their country's language. So what year is this? When, when? two thousand and six. 
I put a video up on, in 2006 of me with my shirt off wrestling two of my pledges in my fraternity. That's great. I was, and I got 50,000 views. Before you, you finished, bef- when you started the sentence with, I put a video on YouTube, I immediately thought, Lewis doesn't have his shirt on in this video. <laughs> and then you said that you didn't have your shirt that's on. That's right. So, well, yeah, you're always yeah, thinking yeah. about me without my shirt yeah. on, so that's not I that can't impressive. Help it. All right. So go ahead. 2006, you put this thing on, and so every no matter what country you're in, you go on YouTube, and this video what pops up in front of their face? Well, it was it was there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of content, and there were a lot of instant viewers. I mean, the site was blowing up. I mean, it went from you know nothing to a hundred million users, you know, within six months or something. Wow. I mean, it was just really generating a lot of traffic, and there wasn't wasn't a lot of, of uh, videos up there. And and then as soon as we put up Don's video, I, I flew Antoine down. We shot. He had, at that point he had released his second record within the first year, so we shot videos for his first record and second record, and we started releasing those. And um, then I had set up a tour with, uh, you know, another one of these tours to support Don's record, and also invited Andy McKee was there, and uh, we had we invited My- Michael Mannering, who was a, is a very well known bass player, and right. kind of instrumental bass, right. And so it was Don, Michael Mannering, uh, and Andy, and they came through town. And when they came through town, I remember sitting at a dinner with the three of them and saying, "Hey, look, I have a, I have a lot of hopes for this this YouTube video thing." And and Don said, "You know, I I haven't really seen much of an impact in sales yet. I'm not not so sure about this." Um, I said, "Well, fair enough." But and and you know what, the, the DVD we shot at the time wasn't that good. The audio wasn't that good, and it wasn't really having a huge impact on on Don's sales of of this new record that he put out. But when we put out Antoine's uh, videos, we were able to shoot it, you know, better audio, and uh, his videos did even better. And you know, s- sales of Antoine Dufour's records shot up like you know, I don't know. Five or five to ten times what they were. Wow! Wow! After post, you know, post videos, and he started racking up, you know, ten thousand video views a month or something. I mean, it was really wow. you could you could see it was getting out there and reaching reaching this market of of people who were interested in this type of type of music. And uh, we were putting, I was putting on this weekend of shows, and I and I asked uh, Michael Mannering, hey, do you want to come back to my home studio and shoot some videos? We could put it on this Candy Rat channel, try it out. Michael passed. I asked Don. You know, do you want to shoot? You want to try to shoot some new ones? He passed because we we just shot you know the DVD and we were let you know we were kind of just wait. He, he wanted to just wait and see. Yeah. And Andy Andy was excited about it. And he's like, sure, you know, I'll do it. And we we went back to my house and I think in one night um, we shot like eight videos. You know, where he was he just sat down and I mean he was. You know, these guys all are spot on, like excellent musicians. And he That's just, all in that like wood panel studio. Yeah, the wood panel background. And Andy just, you know, it was like a live set to him. I mean, mm-hmm. he got up there and he did his live he set. He performed. He yeah. performed. Yeah. And um, he performed songs that were on the, the record Art of Motion. That It was the, the first one that we released uh, from Andy. And uh, and his videos did even better than Antoine's. Um, and, you know, they, we put them up instantly, I think, November uh, that year. Again, I'm interviewing. You know, and I'm, I mean, I don't know if I had told You're these guys. You're interviewing for a job. You don't want to tell them that. Yeah. You, that I don't want to tell these guys. Doing bad. Yeah. Well, I think I did. I did, did think I told them that, you know, hey, look, I'm going to still do this, but it's going to be a side thing. I just can't. There's no way I can make a living. Right. right. So I did think I broke that news. And uh, I think I told Andy that. And uh, he was aware. Um, and uh, 
So we put his videos up, and they started doing good. Sales started picking up. And, I mean, very encouraging. And then a month later, I think it was a, a site called dig.com. Uh, picked up Andy's video and featured it like on the fr- uh, front page. It was like a big blog site at the time. Or, it was uh, like big... Reddit. It's yeah. like Reddit is today. This is like Dig was pre-Reddit. Yeah. Um, and it was like this, it was in the idea that the good content will rise to the top based on user voting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it got featured on on Dig. Uh, and then what, what I found out is that all these other like little websites build their content based Off on of what's, what's happening on Reddit or Dig. Yeah. So if you can get, you know, if you can get on the front page of Reddit or, or Dig, you, you'll end up getting like on the un, on the front page of uh, hundreds of different other little like right. blogs and websites. Right. And what happened was within like, within a week there, whoever was programming the front page of YouTube, I think had, saw, had seen Andy's video show up on Dig and, and Andy's video showed up. Um, I got a call one night, you know, and I'm still interviewing. And <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't want to work from somebody else. I haven't worked for anybody for, you know, t- over 10 years at this point. It was like 11, 12 years. And I'm, I really didn't want to go work for somebody else. But he called me up and he said, dude, I'm on the front page of YouTube. And, and I, you know, we, I just lost it. I was like, Andy, oh, called, Andy, Andy called, called Andy called me oh, and told man. me somebody, called, somebody called him. He just, just types like, in YouTube.com and there's his face. I think somebody told him, yeah. And then he oh, went wow. there and you know, in the front page, and this is like a week before Christmas on December, uh, December 2006. Okay. And I remember like literally jumping up and down and screaming. Because <laughs> I, thought, Crazy. I, I thought like maybe if I stuck at this for like, you know, years, something like this could happen. Yeah. Right. Um, because I mean, it was like literally millions of dollars of free advertising is what it was. Right. Yeah. Um, and within a, a week, that video "Drifting" by Andy McKee went from, you know, like twenty thousand views that it had gotten that that previous man. month to over a million views. Oh man! And uh, it was fantastic, and sales like were crazy. I mean, uh, it got picked up by so many of these these other sites that were watching, you know, YouTube's front page. So drifting is like embedded in I don't know I I literally I think it's probably embedded in about a hundred thousand different web pages out there. Wow! Different little blogs and sites and viral charts and stuff like that. So it's, it's just all over out there. And uh, you know the thing that we didn't know is what kind of legs this would have. You know we th- we we thought like I was still was going on inter- interviews, and uh, it wasn't until. You know, a few months later, that I that I thought, oh, maybe this might this might be like be sustainable, and like how long will this how long will this video continue to right. get traffic for? And like like at and, this and po- Andy's at this sales point, are just increasing and increasing, or uh... yeah, his sales like went. I mean, I, I don't even know. I mean, by factor of a hundred or you know <laughs> wow. five hundred. I mean, it just went from you know almost nothing to substantial. You know, could you keep Subst- up with all the orders? No, literally, like, I remember, you know, getting my family to help, and <laughs> wow. I remember for that, for like a couple months there, all I did was ship CDs. It <laughs> seemed like I, like 20, like, I would wake up and, and you ship would... CDs. And so now did the did the other, the artists, other, the other artist CDs start to sell too, or are these all they pretty did. much Andy's It was CDs? like the whole, it was like the whole, the whole thing. scene blew, broke out. The whole scene blew up. It's, wow. You know, and there was like all this spinoff. And, what and, a trip. You know, a lot of the Andy fans found Antoine, and you know, a lot of 
people who found those ones found Don. And yeah, yeah I mean, I definitely so, had, I remember a, a phase that, yeah. that led from this Andy McKee video. I remember me and my buddy just then looking up all these other kinds of artists yeah. and that it's, it's so weird to hear from the other side, this exact the story this exact situation yeah. <laughs> because I I this this I'll never forget that video I know this video and when I first met Joe and he says oh yeah I'm I'm on a label called Candy Rat I'm like oh I know Candy Rat because I remember that whole experience it was fascinating yeah yeah it was amazing it was it was kind of a once in a lifetime experience um, you know and Andy's gone on to you know build a, a worldwide fan base he tours all over the world I mean he plays you know. Uh, small clubs to you know, decent you know I don't know thousand seat theaters depending wow. on the market and uh, you know he's because of those videos um, you know he's opened for Dream Theater Dream Theater had wow. found, found him through uh, through YouTube <laughs> Prince found him through YouTube found one of his Whoa. other videos Rylan Damn. and Prince like invited him to be his guitarist on his Australia tour Whoa. Um, so. Yeah, he I guess played for for Prince, and he got to open up like a arena show for Prince. There's few things cooler than playing for Prince. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, and now like, Andy has the privilege of opening up for the Reign of Kindo in Brazil. <laughs> you guys, let, you guys, let him do that. We'll let him. Uh, of course, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, so he's um, <laughs> is, is he still on Candy Rat? Andy. Put out a, one more record on Candy Rat and a DVD, and then he got a manager, and the manager's task was, you know, to, to find upstream into major somehow. Yeah, to, you know, to to make him, you know, a much bigger <clears throat> artist and to play larger theaters and right. stuff like that. So I think the next thing he did was he signed a record deal with <clears throat> a New York City label called Razor and Tie, um, who has, you know, I'm not really sure. They, I mean, they have some big artists, and they, and then they have, you know, they do publishing. You know, they're, they're fairly large New York City label that I think their claim to fame is Kid Bops. Uh, Kid Bops, you, you what's know, that? It's like they the, they do the kids' song versions of uh, regular songs. Like, oh my oh. gosh, I remember. Yeah, there was one they like. Know that. It's a good idea. Baby hit me one more time, but just little kids sing. It's fucking oh, creepy. Oh, that makes me want to kill that myself. Really creepy. Babies singing Britney Spears. Little no, kids, not you. babies, just like toddlers. Imagine, oh, then I like it. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like regular proper children. Yeah. I mean, you know, young children singing All night the hits. Long, let me <clears throat> see that song. All these kids oh. singing that. <laughs> Girl, I want to make you sweat. No. <laughs> Everybody, Ugh. it's it's strange what works, but they they got that into the Target, and you know Walmart or whatever. Did they get Andy's record in Target, Walmart, and all that as I, well? I don't know. I do, I do not know. I don't think so. But uh, they got that Kid Bops thing in a, in a Target. Now you see it. It's like they're on like Kid Bops, you know, sixty. Yeah. When so I hear that, still... I want a whirlwind kick people. I, yeah. I, that stuff's horrible. Little kids shouldn't yeah. be singing songs. It's... If you ask me, it should be illegal. <laughs> You got to be at least fifteen. That's or not exactly where I was. That's sing. not where I was coming Little from. Little kids should not be allowed to sing, Joey. I'm yeah. sick of it. The sound of kids singing makes me so mad. You know what it does? It makes me mad, especially a big group of kids. <laughs> Shut up, little kid. Go to sleep. <laughs> so, do, do you still speak to Andy? Yeah, we 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 talk. Uh, uh, we email back and forth. He's you know he he's been off the label for a long time now. I think he last last release he had on the label was 2009. Or something. So he's, you know, he's gone on to Razor and Tie. I think he's released his latest release is Independent. 
you know, he tours worldwide. He's he's doing great, though. It's amazing how how, there's such a domino effect of events that comes from a. You had uh, Andy was what the third person you asked to come film these videos, right? The other two guys kind of I don't feel like it, sort of. But he was excited about it. They're enthusiastic the first time around. Yeah, but when you did this, when you did the second oh, one, yeah, right. when and, the video that you filmed with Andy, that was yeah. supposed to be somebody else, right? Well, no, I just, I mean, that was, you know, we had some videos out already with Don, so he he just passed because he wanted to see how those were going to yeah. work. Uh-huh, right. And Manring was just, he wasn't on the label, so he, okay. I think he was just yeah. kind of like, I'll just wait and see. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like they, you know, it just wasn't obvious at the time. Right, so you did the video and then some guy over at Dig just liked it. And well, decided, it, was a, it was a fan is submission. It, it's a, it's a vote, yeah. vote thing? Like it's a, a vote bunch thing. of people clicked like yeah. or whatever? And that's it, right. Okay. So then it was there just... There you go. That's great. So let's fast forward a little bit. We're in modern times now. The present day. Things are different now. What's next? What's, what is going on now? How do, how, what is Candy Rat's uh, sort of position now on things like Spotify, you and Rob, you and I have had so many conversations about how Spotify has affected your business and, and the artists, me well, being one we of get, them. <laughs> before we get to Spotify, what, what was the trajectory like since Andy to now? Has it been kind of, did it plateau? Did it grow? Did it decline? <clears throat> well, again, it was like it, Andy's success spun off to every art. It spun off to Candy Rat. It spun off to every artist that's been on Candy Rat, you know, that was on it currently and, and ever since because what it allowed us to do was go out and kind of build this, you know, to find out who really likes this music. Yeah. You know, and we've now had, I don't know, a quarter of a billion, you know, I don't know, it's almost a half a billion plays out there. And of that, <laughs> we've, you know, we've found the, you know, we found the 50,000 super fans that are actually say, we, they love it. Yeah. They're going to buy, they're going to support it. They're going to propagate gonna, it. They're, uh, they're going to buy music. It. You know, I mean, there's a lot of fi- people will go to concerts and there's a lot of people that will enjoy this music, but Really, nowadays, only super fans are buying music. You, ha- you have to be pretty dedicated to go out yeah, and buy music. Yeah, and that's very much the progressive community. But I think that's so interesting that this whole story is, is what kind of set everything in place for the reign of Kindo to have this this big kind of blowout resurgence. Because you s- built this community with Candy Rat, and then you did these videos with Kindo. And that was a huge, that was your own little holy crap. It sure, well, it sure was. And I think it's also the reason our band's still together. You know, I, I credit that to, to Candy Rat's involvement. I think we burned out, we were burned out by the time we met Rob. You know, we had been touring and just, we were broke and just pissed off. You know, you you know you bust your ass and you play in front of ten people and the venue gives you a bowl of dirty water and says, "Hey, here you go. Here's fifty bucks. Go fuck yourself." And you're supposed to be really thankful to to them for Thank that. Thank you for the dirty water. Thank sir. you. Um, so you know, I was sick of it. I was like, I'm not. I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't necessarily want to break up, but I got to take a break from this touring thing. Yeah. I love making music with these guys. It's really fun. So along comes Rob and. It's like, look, we're, you know, next record, we're going to... First, we did, we did videos first. Was like, well, wait a record. minute. D- Steve's dad emailed you? I, yes. Tell me how this happened. <laughs> Steve's dad, the drummer's dad and Raina Kindo emailed me. I think this was the second time he emailed me. The first time he emailed... Are you, do you often answer dad's emails? <laughs> I didn't know who he was. My you son's know, band at, is great. <laughs> I didn't know if this guy was an agent. I don't know why, but I believe him. Yeah. He seems credible. S- submissions come in in all forms, and I, I typically, we check them all out. 
Oh, okay. You know, I mean, not not long, but you know, we'll we'll give a minute or two or three to check out. You still much. check them all out? Yes, where we try to. I mean, not yeah. I'm sure we miss some, but because there's quite a few, we get probably five or ten a day. You know, and mm. they're coming from different, you know, Facebook, email. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's coming from all over the place. Right. Referrals. We try to check everything out. Kindle came in and they sent us the song. Uh, you know, again, I got an email. They sent us a song that was uh, the, the Christmas tune, the, you know, the, the Christmas with gifts or whatever. And it was this beautiful tune, b- beautiful melody, beautiful, the, the mu- musicianship of the band was very high. Uh, and then somehow I got a hold of the lyrics, and, it, and the lyrics are really twisted on this Oh, tune. was it Breathe Again? Yeah, it was Breathe Again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, it, and, and I sent back an email to this guy, and I said, you know what, these guys are awesome. But these lyrics are are fucking twisted. I mean, like basically the, <laughs> lyrics, the lyrics. You're welcome. I said the lyrics are, are justifying murder because somebody stole Christmas gifts. I agree with that stance, Joey. I'm with you. Thanks, man. I, you know what? You know, if you're gonna ruin Christmas, you know you deserve to die. Get dead. De- fast. Down with the Grinch. <laughs> Get dead fast. Wait, what record is so that? So the, the murder thing intrigued you or put you off? Well, personally, it got your attention at least. Well, I mean, the music got my attention. I've never been a lyric person, but it was it was such a contrast of you know beautiful music and you know kind of like shitty. Let me hear this beautiful. It's a long song to get to the story. Can you get to the murder part? I'm I'm digging this. I never heard the song. The chorus is: I swear, when I get my hands on him, he'll never breathe again. He stole the Because he stole my kids. Because your Christmas kids are crying presents. and they're annoying the yeah. shit out of you. Yeah. Right? The kids are shut the fuck up. I'll get him, all right? Just shut up. Oh, I love that. Wow, I was fucked up. What was wrong with me when I wrote this? Well, you're walking into rooms. You're forgetting why you walked into the yeah. room, right? That's really fucked up. I, I love that. Be That's scared. great. Yeah. Anyways. I'm a, I'm a big fan. The story goes on to how he, uh, you know, goes and finds this guy. Oh, he does and, actually, and actually find actually him. kills him. How does kills he kill him, him Joey? Um, shotgun. Blast. Yeah, yeah, shotgun. He takes him out. I think, how's, how's it go? Uh, shotgun blast, and he winds up in your... Wait. He ends up in my trunk, and I drive him to the river, drop his body in the river, and that's the story. My kids. Wait, are, the question is, do you get the presents back, Joey? Remember, the kid, yeah. yeah, I find I find the presents. And basically, at that's the end, brilliant. he's saying, it's all good again. Yeah. Presents are back. I can breathe. Oh, now Christmas. I can breathe again. Oh, that's the last card. Oh, man. Because <laughs> I murdered You're that fucker. You're a genius. <laughs> wow. I, that I, twisted is what no, I am. that's awesome. No, that's fucked up. I, I am to, really into you that. You know, like when you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe. That's what just no, happened when I look in there. the mirror, I just say, holy shit, I'm awesome. <laughs> no, that's really all. That's a really good song. And I I, I love that kind of stuff. The, the, the twisted lyrics to the nice melody. And, and it's a story. It's an interesting story. I wish I didn't sing through my lips as much. Yeah, well, look. Means you're getting better. So I, I actually like the twisted nature of the song as well. It's just, it's the uh, so you were, you wrote dear Steve's dad. This is awesome. And I, well, I, I said the song. The music's <laughs> awesome. Why are the lyrics so twisted? I mean, are these do these really do these guys really believe in this like vigilante justice? I wore and, a cape, uh, Joey. Wrote, do you believe in vigilante I was justice? Wearing a cape when I, when I wrote that and recorded it. <laughs> it was a towel and tidy whities yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. 
And uh, Steve, Steve's dad had told me, you know, hey, this is, you know, they're just telling a story. You know, they're kind of like, think of it as a, a graphic novel. It's, you know, it's a story. Yeah. It's not, it's not really That's what these nice guys defense. They guys don't really believe. murder too much. Yeah. yeah. And I remember telling it's a sta- uh, it's, a, it's a phase. Yeah. Yeah, it's a story. It's just, you yeah. know, it's an idea. Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to Steve's dad after I'd signed the band, and, and, and he's like, uh, we had gone over what had happened on, how, on, how the, on that email conversation. And he said, well, you bought it, right? You know, you, <laughs> you bought my uh, defense of, of why they wrote these lyrics. He didn't know. I don't think he I think he just was saying that these are, these are good guys. They're not. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not like He's like, I don't that, think my son's a murderer, yeah. but I'm not positive. I wasn't sure if you guys were all like skinheads or something. Like, <laughs> that, I, I no, but how I cool mean, would that rest- be? That would have been awesome. Oh, if we were making that music, you all show up with combat boots and shit. That's that's contrast. I yeah. like that. That's scary, is what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a rational fear. In hind, you know, I, I've never really looked at it from another person's perspective, like what? experiencing it and be like, "What is wrong with this person? Are they really fucked up in the head?" <laughs> yeah, know. it's 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 such a bizarre contrast. Because the music's beautiful mm-hmm. and the lyrics are twisted. Yeah. So Rob signed us and we made these videos. And while we were just kind of kind of taking a hiatus, we were writing and, you know, making new music. But our audience, we went from touring and busting our asses for, for years. We maybe got like 100 fans. And in about a year, we got thousands and thousands of fans of not doing anything because of these videos on YouTube. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so with, to the point where the tour with you, so the, I met Lewis, uh, he pl- he drums in a band called Jolly. I drum in it. He's a drummer. <laughs> drum to drum. A verb. He drums in a band. He drums in a band. And so... <laughs> it's patronizing. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, but... I mean... Drums I are cool. <laughs> oh, that was even more <laughs> that's patronizing. Good, that's good. Yo, dude, yeah. Drums yeah, are cool. Double awesome. thumbs up, brah. So... No, not like you play bass or something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. At least that. We, uh, we went on this tour... Uh, opening up for this band, Scale the Summit, and that was our first tour in a long time, in years. And right. the turnouts, we we noticed our turnouts were so good, so unexpected. You know, we were drawing. They were the they weren't even headlining, and everyone was there to see them, and no one was there to see my band, and. <laughs> That's what some, Lewis remembers. Some people were there to see Scale the Summit, but basically everyone was there to see. No, I'd say at least half of the half of the crowd was were Scale crowds. No, but it was it was a nice surprise. You could tell, like when we the played, crowds, people were, every sing, night people were, were singing along, like a big crowd. Yeah, because like people would come in and there would be like girls, and I'm like, well, they're not Jolly fans, and they're not scale, they're definitely not Scale the Summit fans. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're all uh, Chris from Scale the Summit's sister or something, but <laughs> no. Uh, but we we just figured because we heard them and you know they're all amazing musicians. We figured oh, these guys are these are the real deal. They're they're seasoned. They've built a fan base. T- to learn that they actually had not toured in years and it was just these videos up on the Candy Rat site that did this. I mean that that blew all of our minds. Yeah, YouTube is. I mean, I, I've I've thought of it as it's the new MTV. But it's persistent and it's user defined, yeah. so you can define what you want to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's user controlled. Mm-hmm. It's, it's available twenty four seven. Everything is. Yeah, and it's also worldwide. So, like within Kindle's case, uh, you know, again, it, it depends on what what country you go to. But you know, uh, you know, they've toured they've toured Japan several times. They've toured Brazil. Even though we've only sold you know less than probably a hundred records in Brazil. 
They've toured there several times, and again, hundreds of people show up singing the songs. They yeah. all stole our music. They all stole their music, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, and, and seeing the, the videos on YouTube or whatever, and they're free or whatever, and uh, you know, so so there there is there is an opportunity to to grow a fan base. Our whole fan base for my band is all based off of YouTube. I mean, yeah. and Facebook too, but all the content that that our fans are able to to get from us is really we put a lot of work into these videos that we make and we like you said we consider it free advertising and it's just it's so convenient mm-hmm. so it's an amazing platform and it's amazing that you were able to talk about timing to get in like right right as it started so it's like everyone's using it but there's not a lot of content up there right. mm-hmm. and also realizing the visual nature of the genre that you were in right. and to be able to have all those points meet at once just to allow Joey to go on tour with yes. Jolly and Skilled Summit. If it wasn't for Candy Rat, we wouldn't have met. Did you know That's that? Right. That's true. There'd be no podcast, and you it, wouldn't be on the podcast. Yeah. That and, doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I wouldn't know that you're not on this podcast. Yeah. In most parallel universes, we're not sitting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a good amount we are. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm signed to Candy yeah. Rat. Yeah. And your shirt is off. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I feel like... Uh, what do you feel like? I Joe? feel like there's a lot, a lot of questions I want to ask, but I also have to use the bathroom. Well, go use the bathroom. I'll, I can ask Start a, talking to him about now. Okay. So, what color are your socks? Idiot. White. <laughs> White. Okay. Uh, so, really, what, so what's going on with Candy right now? What's, what's the future hold for you guys? Is it just you as a partner? I mean, active well, my, partners? Yeah, my dad still does some of the accounting tax stuff okay. behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, we use work and, and, and the business as, you know, part of our father-son friendship relationship. So, we just, you know, we like to talk about it. Yeah, so that's it's kind cool. of like a it's hobby your, for your, us. That's cool. It's yeah. your project together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's always the way we were able to relate to each other best. Through work, uh, through work. So that's that's. Uh, that. I find that uh, I've I found that in my recently in my life that with my friends and with the the relationships I love are the relationships I'm where I'm working on something and that could be something abstract that could be I mean my wife we work on you know building a family and all that but you know Joey and I's our relationship together is very much based on projects right and like. That's how it's like when two people see each other on the train, they talk, they start talking about sports. It's like, there's our common ground. Let's start relating to each other through that filter. And I find that I really get off on that with projects, especially when you're building something with somebody and you both could see it grow and you both contribute. So I could totally understand that relationship with your father. I, I love, I love to nurse a project and put hard work into it with somebody else. It's so much better to do that with somebody else and then talk about it. It's just fun. Yeah, I mean, it brings people close. I mean, you know, struggle, adversity, right. success, conclusion, you know, yeah, start again. Triumph, yeah, do yeah. it again. Yeah. That's right. So um, so what's next for you guys? Where, where, what's going on now with Candy Rat? Okay, the, I mean, the last, you know, but uh, before, who else is on Candy Rat? Uh, it's, it's become kind of a, fa- a family affair. Um, Holly, my wife, has worked on the business. Oh. As soon as Andy took off, I mean, she was helping me. Uh, ship out those CDs. Um, so she's been around, kind of, you know, my right hand uh, partner, running the day to day operation of the business since 2007. And uh, 
you know, once, once we had the income to, you know, to actually hire somebody. And, uh, that's great. She does, she manages the store side. We run this, you know, we run a record label and then we also kind of run our own boutique online store. It's like a curated, uh, online store of music. It's like, this is sort of candy rat. What's it called? Worthy. It's candyrat.com. I mean, our, our, we don't have like our record site is actually our store site, and it's kind of is it all can is it all candyrat artists? So you pick other artists too? Well, it's, we, I mean, throughout the years, we've sold a lot of independent artists, and, and we've we've tried to stick to you know music that would again serve our market. Um, but we had many. I mean, half the stuff we sold on the site was independent artists or artists that you know wanted to do their own releases. They had back catalog. So you just signed some kind of just. Distribution and reseller agreement. Cool. So, the, you know, the last couple of years, of, everything was very steady from the time, you know, Andy took off to, I want to say about two years ago. Everything was very steady. Um, you Spotify. Know, and Spotify came <laughs> in. Streaming came in a couple of years ago. And oh. what happened was, is month by month, we saw, you know, uh, our CD sales and iTunes sales which was, you know, you know, just drop every month. And, you know, for every you know, $100 of sales that we would lose, you know, Spotify might replace it with 15 to $20, $20 of streaming revenue. And, uh, yeah, it just, didn't, it just didn't make economic sense, you know. And, and uh, you know, the, the case they keep on making is, you know. We're hey, rich. Why aren't you rich? Well, no, yeah. I mean, what they keep you saying is. You did it to is, yourself. Is be patient. We're in this transition, and you know, right now we understand that ninety percent of our customers are getting all their music for free. But you know, eventually they'll sign up for these, you know, subscriptions, and you'll end up making more money. So just be patient, and it will all work out. <sighs> in the meantime, yeah, they've they've racked up. You know, I mean, their their company's worth three or four billion dollars or whatever it is. Easy and, for them to be patient. Yeah, right. just relax. Just It'll take down. time. So. We ended up because of that taking most of our our best selling titles off of Spotify because it just it was cannibalizing our our sales on iTunes, on Candy Rat and CD sales, and it was not replacing it with anything close close to the same amount of money. Right. And so we took those off, and I think that was a good move. Um, recently, Spotify has has selectively. You know, been making money for a few artists. You know, it's a it's a volume business, and the problem is when you're in niche music, and your you know your audience is is not millions of people. Um, you know, it just doesn't work. The, the economics don't work for Spotify's model because if you have fifty thousand fans, you know, and you get fifty thousand plays on a track, you know, that's pretty significant. You know, niche. Yeah. And the amount of people that are listening to your music, and traditionally that would support a band and a label, and you know there would be a lot of money there. But fifty thousand plays on Spotify, uh, you know, is is uh, I want to say it's hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not much money. You know, I mean it's it's That's literally awful. like I want to say it's ten dollars per three thousand plays. So sixty thousand would be it, you know it's a hundred bucks. <laughs> So when you took it off Spotify, how much did it, did your sales jump back up? How much did you recoup? <sighs> Unfortunately, you know, I think what what I saw was that if you were a Spotify listener, you know, unless you were a super fan, you weren't going to go off of your core site and buy music. Um, people are comfortable where they are, and over the last two years, it's be, it's become clear to me that uh, consumers want streaming. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what, whether it's good or bad or convenience doesn't, I mean, it's, it's, it's already won in my mind. It's now it's a matter of what's the economic model that, that is fair for artists, labels, and Spotify yeah. and consumers. The, con- the content creators that Spotify is exploiting for massive amounts of profit. Right. You guys spend lots of money and time making stuff that we will make tons of money on. You just give it to us for just free. Just give it to us and... We'll distribute it. Yeah, well, don't worry. For free, though. Yeah, yeah. But you'll or get a cut ten, or, ten, or $10 a month. Yeah. And you just split that $10 a month amongst, you know... Yeah, the seven people in yeah. Rana Kindo. It's crazy, man. It's... It's grossly unfair, and I think they took advantage of the loopholes in a, in the legislation. You know that if if the internet was radio, that could never work because there's you have to pay royalties mm-hmm. on air. But some because the internet's the kind of frontier land, there's no legislation to say like, oh, you can just broadcast intellect. There's nothing to protect the value of intellectual property on the internet. You know, and that's I mean that's largely what made YouTube so popular. Is people sure. are just uploading. Crap and, you know, sure. not, you and, know. And it's a double-edged sword because there's good things that come with that as well, obviously. Yeah. But now that the entire music creation community is being fully exploited to make an, one company billions of dollars. It's crazy. That is, to me, that's just fucking horrible What do you greedy. do? What, is, what does Candy Rat do? What's, well, what again, does any label do? What we've done is we've tried to pull off our best-selling titles and hope that they would go to either the Candy Rat store or iTunes or some something with that 99 cent per track or 999 right. per digital CD model. And you know some of that has worked um, but not as much as you know, it, it just hasn't stopped the bleeding. Right. Um, iTunes, Ugh. you know the 99 cent per track, $10 per digital C model seems to be I, I would I would guess that it's going to be dead within a year or two. And, uh, you know, Apple just announced their new streaming service. Um, you know, YouTube is coming out with a streaming service that, you know, they're going to do music. You can buy a subscription to YouTube, I guess, where you don't have to watch ads on the video anymore. Um, I mean, they're going to have several levels of s- subscriptions. So, I mean, all the big technology companies now uh, are going to streaming because Spotify's, you know, kind of proven that this is what consumers want. So how, what what can an artist and a label possibly do? I mean, what do you foresee? What are the options? It seems like there's none. It's just we're all screwed. If you want to make music, you have to be willing to do it for free. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard a lot of good answers. You know, I mean, I've heard a lot of people kind of say, you know, try this, try that, but you know, I haven't seen a lot of good data that you know. I mean, you can't look at one example of somebody that was able to do something and, and say that you know that's ev- the way. That's the way everybody's yeah, yeah. going to be able to replicate it. So. I mean, again, the masses of consumers have chosen streaming. I think the positive thing with streaming is that it pays more than piracy, and I believe it's killing piracy. Like, why would yeah. you? Why would you? It's too easy to listen. When for- you can get it for free, you know, and <clears throat> that's true. You know, sure. already, and and so even a, even at ten dollars a month, you know, you have to be making a very little amount of money each month to spend all the time and effort to pirate and risk all the viruses and right. you know, do everything you have to do yeah. to pirate. It's just too easy. It's just too easy to get music now, and it's and it's and it's so inexpensive. Um, so I, I mean, I have hope for the future that streaming will find an economic model that will be fair for all parties. So you it's think maybe Spotify will kind of live up to their end of the bargain, hopefully, or one of these companies and, and make it worthwhile to the, 
Here, artists? I mean, here's why I have a glimmer of hope, and that is all the new companies like Apple and and Google and, and and YouTube that are coming out with new streaming models. They have very limited free free plans. It's like a 30 day free trial or a 60 day free trial, and then if you want to continue on with the subscription to to listen to you know, 10 million music tracks, basically the life's work of all musicians right. ever, ever out there recorded. <laughs> you got to have to pay $10 a month to do that. Okay. And then, you know, if you do that, you can listen to it, you know, on your phone, in your car, right, So home. basically Spotify. So it's, it's Spotify, but again, 90, the reason why I think Spotify is not working so well today is because why would you pay $10 a month when you can get it for free? With a couple ads. With, with a few ads that Could aren't really... Could you listen on your phone for free? I don't, you can't no. save. You can't save to your. Uh, you can't save it to your phone. But you and, can stream. Uh, I don't think you can listen to a record straight through either. You can listen to like a tune, uh, and then it does like a radio thing. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I I've, I've tried. That's it. why I, I did it, so yeah. I could on my phone on the go. And I would think a lot of people. That's when they listen to music. They yeah. don't. You know, I'm sure some listen at home on their computer, but so a my, lot of people are commuting. And my hope is that these new streaming platforms <laughs> will cause. Uh, direct competition with Spotify and put a little bit of pressure and, and maybe even one of them will decide, hey, we're just going to make sure we take care of the artists a little bit more and give them a little bit more of a fair rate. Yeah. Causing artists to say, oh, well, this streaming service is offering me this, so I'm going to pull from you and go over here, you know, and because this is more lucrative for me. That's and, exactly. You know. that's, that is the future. Okay, yeah. and so the power the artists have left is when there becomes and there's five, not a monopoly anymore. When there's not a monopoly on streaming, which you know right now there is, uh, then whatever streaming service provides the fairest terms for all parties, yeah, and the artists that created you know, you know the content, the music, yeah, then it, you know if they start pulling their music off of the other sites that aren't paying fair, then that the site Collapses. that is paying fair yeah. will, you know, will win. The other right, ones right. will collapse or they'll match the terms. Right, right. So, so the power is in the hands, you know, again, once, once streaming becomes not a monopoly. I wonder what, what kind of agreements does Spotify have with a lot of these like major artists? Is it in perpetuity? They could have the entire catalog of whatever Led Zeppelin or, or you know. It's with the labels, really. It's with the content, whoever owns the rights to those. Well, that, that, what I'm saying is, what what is Spotify's right? Is it in perpetuity, or do they have the year contracts with with the labels? They have. My my understanding is to get the major labels, which was the linchpin to kind of making this thing work, to sign. They <laughs> had to give those the majors somewhat of an equ an equity position in Spotify. Right. So the majors all own equity. And that equity, again, if Spotify ends up, you know, selling for ten billion dollars or going public for fifty billion. That equity isn't a, isn't a royalty, so so those majors don't have to pay anything to the artist for the value that right. they created. And that's, exactly, they're double that's, dipping, really. Well, that's the it's it's so it's all just those rob, major that's just yeah. flat out robbing. Yeah. So all those major acts that were that were corralled into Spotify, how how will those move over to the other streaming services? Seems like they're kind of permanently there. A lot of the big, major, iconic. It has to be by the, ma the majors. Time. The majors have to make that decision. That's their. That's in their hands to make that decision. Well, yeah, but can I, they make that decision? Or if or they, they own the content, yeah, yeah like absolutely. Taylor Swift did. But, but what I'm saying is, what is the agreement between the label and Spotify? Let's say, okay, for 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 twelve percent ownership of Spotify, Spotify has the right to your catalog for the rest of time. 
Does anyone have that agreement? Because okay, if so they I, do, there's nothing the label could do. I think that that the executives at the majors that signed the Spotify deals, you know, three years ago, it allowed them to open up the U.S. market, aren't probably looked at very favorable anymore because they were bad deals for the majors. Even though they have equity positions, the fact that they've cannibalized their business so much across of yeah. iTunes and, and all the big box yeah. stores, I mean, it just was not a good deal. And I think those guys are probably either, fi- either fired or they're you know sitting in a basement somewhere with a dunce cap on. <laughs> so... So they don't have my. I don't think that they signed up, you know, a forever contract. They probably, you know, said that would be insane. Let's hope. Hopefully, that didn't happen. And and it sh- there should have different contracts with each, each of these different majors. Right. I don't think they all signed the same contract. Mm-hmm. And there should be a term limit based on that. And and you know, this is a new experimental deal, so it should be like a three-year term or right. a five-year See how term. It goes. Right. They're not gonna. I mean, that's why I feel like they're not giving any new service. Even if they're as big as Apple or Microsoft or Google, they're not giving them those those the same terms anymore. Right. And so as soon as Spotify has to re-up on their contract, I think they're going to get rid of the free level. Now, in one sense, that's that's my ray of hope. Yeah. And that is they've 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 now shown consumers a way you know that that these services of streaming services do make sense. You know they have value, and when they take away you know the free level of service. They'll, you know, they'll convert all that money, to, that ninety percent of the free subscribers to pay subscribers, and, and upping the and, royalty, and and the royalty will triple, I think, mm-hmm. because the royalty I think doubles or triples depending on whether it's a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then again, like you said, ultimately, like when you have five mature services, then it's whoever's paying the best terms, right? You know. The, you know, again, like all the little labels, like you know, Candy Rat can be uh, can move quickly, right? And so we can say, you know what, yank us off of the whole catalog off of Spotify, they because you know YouTube's paying double the rate for right. streaming, mm-hmm. right? And so we're gonna just do then all those Candy Rat super fans they cancel their they cancel their Spotify's or you yeah. know when they and if Apple's yeah you know, chances are. If YouTube is offering the best artist rate, everyone is also saying the same thing. They're like, well, we're going to yank ourselves off of Spotify unless Spotify matches. It gives bargaining power to the content creators now right. because there's competition amongst the streaming providers. Right. That's the idea. That's the hope, anyways. Yeah, and I and I think that, that will somewhat work out, and it should work out in a relatively short amount of time. I hope and you're right, Rob. I hope so are you're you right. Sca- are you scared, Rob? Uh, I mean, for the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've been in that situation where, again, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm, my time is limited in this business if streaming wins. Is that why your legs are shaking? <laughs> no, they're not shaking anymore. <laughs> That's true, so, they're not. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, been in, I, I've been doing this for a while. I'll, I'll always do it because I love it. You yeah. know, it's just a matter of how many records do I do a year? You know, what do I do? And uh if the you know if the if I can make a living doing that, I, I I'd love to do this for another twenty or thirty years. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rob, it's been awesome having you, man. Thank you so much for talking to us jabronis here. Yep. A couple um, jabronis. I think that people will be uh, pretty excited to hear what you had to say and, and the story of Candy Rat as a an I think you're living the label. dream. Yeah. By the way, Rob, I think uh, uh, you're one of those people who set out to do the thing you wanted to do, and you're and you're doing it, and uh, I admire you for that. I think that's incredible. I, I feel very grateful and blessed. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. It.
I hope you had fun. Yeah, it was a great time. All right, show's over, right? Show's over. Bye. Bye. Do you want to internet us? Check us out at themusiclifepodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Check us out on all that social media crap.